Well, good morning. Good to be here today, and you guys uh, look so good. I, I do have a comment on a prayer request. If I had to swallow a camera, you better wrap that baby in a Krispy Kreme donut. <laughs> Amen. A hot one, okay? <laughs> that's right, Marilyn, that's right. Oh. I, yes, sir. Uh-huh. Oh, my goodness, my goodness. That'd make, make me nervous, I tell you. I don't know if this is appropriate or not, but I had a guy talking about donuts. He said, he said, I like my women like I like my donuts hot. And so I said, okay. Anyway. We'll move on, okay? <laughs> my wife's trying to crawl out right now. Mark chapter 2. Mark chapter 2. A scandal over the Sabbath. A scandal on the Lord's day. Can you imagine a scandal happening in church? Well, they happen every once in a while. So and so did this, so and so did that, so and so said so and so, and off it goes. Many times there is a scandal in the Lord's house over the Sabbath is what we find here. Mark chapter 2, 23 through 28, we find the, the text. It's really dealing with questions about the Sabbath. And so I'm going to go ahead and read these verses and uh, then we'll come back and look at it. Mark chapter 2, beginning in verse 23. And it happened that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath. And his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. The Pharisees were saying to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and he and his companions became hungry? How he entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar the high priest and ate the consecrated bread which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests. And he also gave it to those who were with him. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Now, when you find Jesus going along, He always had a time of confrontation with those who were the religious elite. And sometimes the Lord just wanted to walk in and shake things up. Now, sometimes we need a 
wholly shaking. We need things shook up a little bit. I, I read the lyrics of a song years ago by a, a guy named Ray Stevens. And it was called Mississippi Squirrel Revival. Y'all remember that? Little boy got a squirrel, brought it to church, had it in a box. The squirrel got loose from the box and the squirrel started making its way up and down the aisles and finally ended up in a woman's, well, garments, okay? And she began to cry and then confess sins that would make a sailor blush. She told of gossip in the church and dissension. And then she got on other things and started naming names. And the chorus of that song says, The day the squirrel went berserk in the first self-righteous church. In that sleepy little town of Pascagoula, it was a fight for survival that broke out in revival. They were jumping pews and shouting hallelujah. <laughs> what happened that day? Well, seven deacons, and then the pastor got saved. <laughs> they raised $25,000 for missions. Jim, they had 50 people volunteer to go to the Congo, and there were 500 rededications and everyone there got rebaptized whether they needed it or not. <laughs> well, that's one way to shake things up, isn't it? A scandal on the Lord's Day. In the passage here, we are confronted with a scandal. There were those in the time of Christ that were more concerned about a tradition than the Word of God. They were more concerned with a man-made rule than the very inerrant, infallible Word. And so, we find Jesus saying that a relationship is always more important. A relationship with Christ is the most important thing. In fact, we find that these scribes and Pharisees really were trying to put their rituals out there. Now, I know we're all Baptists here, or probably most of us. And you would say, oh, now, Brother Richard, the Catholics have rituals. The Methodists have rituals, but we as Baptists, we don't have rituals. Yeah, we lie about other things. We do have rituals. We do. We got a lot of them. I, I remember, you know, years ago, we had the same sang the same song after the offertory every single time. We did that years ago. I remember years ago how that when we had the Lord's Supper, we would always sing, Blessed be the tie that binds. I remember that. Now, doing the same thing all the time might not be a bad deal, but let me, let me tell you this, when it becomes a ritual is when you try to change it and see what happens. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 we can't, we can't change from that. Well, 
the Pharisees and scribes were stuck in a rut. They were stuck in a ritual. And so Jesus came to shake things up. Well, let me just show you three things here in this text. Number one, we find Jesus and the irritation. The irritation. Do you enjoy irritating people? Yes. Cindy says yes. I'll, I'll confess, sometimes I like just messing with people. You know, sometimes I, I like the, the irritation. I had a lady one time who used to love to give me a hard time and uh, she would dress up in a costume. And uh, every time we had a party, I, I, I knew this lady would show up in this little costume. She called it Emmy Lou, I think, is, is what... You know, is that right, Pam? Emmy Lou. And, and um, she'd dress up and, and uh, she'd take her teeth out. <laughs> she'd run around and chase me around the church. She'd say, okay, preacher, let's gum it. I mean, she would. She'd chase me around everywhere. I got up on the table and ran away from her. I ran for my life. Her name was Faye, and Faye just loved to shake things up. One, one thing I like, I like people being genuine. I, I like folks just being who they are. Just being real. I, I don't like... Plastic people. We have plastic chairs, but I don't like plastic people. I want them to be real and genuine and honest. If folks don't like me, that's fine, but I'm going to be who I am, and more importantly, who God made me. And what Jesus was saying here is that I may be an irritation to you, but Jesus said I'm going to stand upon truth. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees, they had religion. I read a quote that someone said, the meanest, honoriest people in the world are people that have religion, but they don't have Christ. Those that flew the planes into the Twin Towers had religion. Those in Syria that are the jihadists have religion, but they don't have Christ. Well, let's look at the conduct of these disciples. Now, what in the world did these guys do? Well, verse number 23. They are walking through grain fields. And so the conduct of the disciples, they were hungry. I want to tell you, when, when men get hungry, they usually want to find something to eat. We'd go on vacation and my wife would say, we stopped at every McDonald's on the interstate. I mean, I'd stop one time get French fries. I'd stop another time get apple pie. I mean, we'd just stop every time. But you know, they're all a little bit different and so I want to see what all the McDonald's look like. So I, I'm checking them out. These disciples were walking along and they were picking grain. They were eating the grain, trying to satisfy their hunger. Now, 
How many here raise a garden? Let me see your hand. Got any gardeners? Got a few, alright. I know if John and Ruby were here, they, they have a nice garden. Would you like someone walking through your garden and just picking and getting what they wanted? Would you like someone walking through your garden just picking a tomato? Or saying, oh, you didn't need that after all. And so, well, these, these disciples are walking through and they're picking grain, but what the scribes and Pharisees said, they said they're breaking the law. Actually, in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 24 and 25, it was allowed what they were doing. So they weren't breaking God's law, but guess whose law they were breaking? Man's law. They were breaking the law and the ritual of the scribes and the Pharisees. I want to be careful what I say, but I want to be accurate. If the Holy Spirit of God leads you to go down a certain path, you do it. If it's not in the Word of God, you do it for you, but don't you force that on anybody else. If it's in the Word of God, that's for all of us. That is black and white. It is Scripture. But if it's not found in Scripture, if it's in an area that you might call a gray area, if it's not black and white, in the Word of God, that may be right for you, but don't you force it on anybody else. We'll get into that a little bit more. Hopefully without me getting in trouble. Alright, we'll, we'll tackle that in just a moment. Now verse number 24, you find the criticism here. The Pharisees were saying to the Lord, look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? Again, the scribes and the Pharisees, they had expanded this deal about the Sabbath. What does Scripture say? Honor the Sabbath day. Keep it holy. From that, scribes and Pharisees wrote hundreds and hundreds of rules saying, you know, do this, don't do this, do this, don't do that. And so, for hundreds of years, they had built a man-made theology on what the Word of God had said. Let me give you a couple of examples. Women, you're going to love this one. A woman, and this is the scribes and Pharisees rule, alright? A woman could not look into a looking glass because she might see a gray hair and pull it out. That was one of their rules. You could not take a bath on the Sabbath because you might spill water over the tub and you'd have to mop it up. Now, I don't tell you, that's crazy. I went to Israel a few years ago and we were staying in Tiberias, there by the Sea of Galilee. They were getting ready for Shabbat, ready for the Sabbath. And someone at the hotel came up to me and they said, uh, are you going to want a Coca-Cola tomorrow? I said, yeah, I think I would. 
They said, well, you won't be able to buy it tomorrow, but if you buy it today, you can pick it up tomorrow. <laughs> so I, I, I bought two Cokes for the Sabbath and uh, went by and showed them my ticket and they handed it to me. But they said you can't do the exchange of money on the Sabbath. Boy, just crazy. I went to McDonald's one time. I said, uh, McDonald's, downtown Jerusalem. I said, I'd, I'd like a quarter pounder with cheese. I said, you can have a quarter pounder, but not with cheese. I said, why not? And they said, because we don't mix dairy and meat. I said, why not? They said, because in the law it says, a kid should not lay in its mother's milk. <laughs> so from that, a kid being you know, an animal should not lay in the mother's milk. From that, they built the doctrine that you cannot mix dairy and meat. Crazy. Now, isn't it funny how that we can take a very simple thing like honor the Sabbath and we can sure mess it up, can't we? You know, if you just stick to the Word of God, it's pretty, pretty simple, plain, and clear. But when you try to throw man's teaching and man's doctrine into it, you get all mixed up. So, Jesus was irritating these people. I want you to look. I think I gave you the reference. John chapter 12, verse 48. John 12, 48. Now listen to this verse. He who, he who rejects Me and does not receive My sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. We are going to stand before a holy God one day and we're going to be judged not by ritual, not by the words of man, but by the Word of God and by, by the Word of Christ. So, Jesus irritated these religious leaders. By the way, this is free, but I, I think it's good. If you stand for biblical principle, i got news for you. You're going to irritate some folks. You're going to irritate some family members. You're going to have your kids irritate some people at school. There's going to be that irritation. And Jesus knew how to irritate the scribes and the Pharisees. Alright, let's move on. Number two. Second, I see Jesus and the illustration. There's an illustration here. Jesus, in verses 25 and 26, gives a wonderful illustration. Now, notice this. He didn't argue with the scribes and the Pharisees. He didn't try to defend His disciples. He simply points them back to the Word of God. And I think there's a marvelous lesson there that when there is something that is a source of irritation, you just say, thus saith the Lord. This is what the Word of God says. Don't argue with them. Say, this is what the Word says, and you can argue with that if you want to. So, the Word of God 
Look at the confrontation here, verse 25. And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he was in need and he and his companions became hungry? Now the confrontation here centered around this phrase, Have you never read? Jesus was trying to illustrate truth by saying, Have you not read in Scripture? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12 says that the Word of God is sharper and more powerful than any two-edged sword. Man, it'll cut. It'll cut to the quick. Someone one time said that preachers get on all kinds of tangents, but they ignore the central truth of the Word of God. And so Jesus goes to the Old Testament. In verse number 26, look at this clarification. How that he or David entered the house of God in the time of Abiathar, the high priest, and ate the consecrated bread, which is not lawful for anyone to eat except the priests. And he also gave it to those who were with him. 1 Samuel. Chapter 21, verses 1 through 6 is the story. Here is David. He's got his men with him. David is running for his life from Saul the king. And they're starving to death. They're hungry. And so they are there at the tabernacle. David goes into the holy place. And there are twelve loaves of bread. It was the showbread. Or sometimes called the bread of the presence. They baked it fresh every week. And the fresh hot bread, the twelve loaves symbolizing the twelve tribes of Israel, was laid out there. And the hot bread stayed. And the bread that was a week old, the priests ate. Well, here is David. He's no priest. But he walks in there, grabs the showbread, he eats the bread, and gives it to his men. Jesus said, have you never read that? And here's what the Lord was saying. The need of an individual that one day the Son of God would die for is more important than any man-made rule. Look around you. That plastic seat you're sitting on, He never died for that. But He died for the people sitting in the seats. Man, I tell you, there is no message you and I need to proclaim more than the truth that a man-made need, the need of sinful man is always greater than any rule. Hmm. I remember years ago, I was talking to a WMU lady and she was saying, Preacher, we got this deal. We're going to make this board. We're going to divide up the church. And everybody in the church is going to give this amount to Lottie Moon. She said, if we got this many members, here's our goal. We divide it up between all the members. Everybody's going to give this amount. And we'll hit our goal. I said there's one problem with that. 
She said, what's that? And I said, it ain't right. I said, to begin with, everyone according to Scripture gives as they have purposed in their heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. I said, second thing is, I said, we don't give an equal amount. God wants equal sacrifice, not equal amount. And that road, we go down time and time and time again because we try to be more clever and more creative than the Word of God. It's true. We try to outthink God to our detriment. I've seen doctors before. Man, I'm, I am so blessed to have good Christian doctors surrounding me. And, and here in our church, we've got wonderful men and women of God who are believers, they're doctors. But I'm amazed at how sometimes the doctor stands back and says, I don't understand how this happened. I don't understand how this thing came to pass. Folks, I understand the great physician showed up. Oh man, don't, don't outthink it, just believe it. So the illustration is that the need of the person, whether it's David, whether it's the disciples, whether it's Lavona, whether it's Lynn, whether it's Pat, on and on we could go, is more important than any man-made rule. Alright, third, third and last. Here we go. Third and last. Stay with me. Jesus and the illumination. Don't you like it when the lights come on? I'm terrible at driving at night. I'm just not very good at driving at night. If I'm driving at night, don't get on the road. I mean, it's, it's not good. Not good. Wait till you get old. <laughs> Freddie, I'm old now. Oh, man. Freddie said, wait till I get old. All right. But you know, there's something about having the lights turned on. I... I have a flashlight at home I've had for, I don't know, 30 years maybe, 40 years. Yeah, Pam's saying more than that. I, but this one particular flashlight has this wonderful little button on where you can just push the button, the light comes on, then you take your thumb off and the light goes on. I used to use that in camp when I'd go with the kids years ago. I'd see someone out of their bunk and I'd put that flashlight on. I'd say, get back in that bed. One time at youth camp, I, I'd get up every morning about 6 a.m. and I'd turn the lights on. I'd say, rise and shine. Give God the glory, glory. Rise and shine. Alright, that or I'd say, good morning to you. Good morning to you. Good morning, dear whatever. Good morning to you. And I mean, I'd throw them out of bed. One morning, I did my little thing where I turned the lights on, I looked over and I saw a guy with sunglasses on. <laughs> the night before, he went to bed with sunglasses on. I said, his name was Dwayne, I said, Dwayne, why, why are you wearing sunglasses? He said, I knew you were hitting the lights in the morning. <laughs> Let me tell you, there's a world out there that wants to put the sunglasses on. They don't want to see the light. 
But Jesus threw the light on here. Let's read it. Alright, verse 27. Jesus said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Jesus in His illumination says the reason for the Sabbath is not that we serve and worship the Sabbath. We worship the Lord of the Sabbath. Now I think I gave you three R's. Three R's. Rest, reflection, and refreshment. For me, that's what the Sabbath is. It's a time of rest. It's a time of reflection. I count my blessings. A time of refreshment, usually around a meal on Sunday. Now I know the Sabbath is a Saturday for us. The New Testament, it's the Lord's Day on Sunday. I understand the difference. But I also know everybody needs a day to do those, those three things. To have rest, to have reflection, just to count God's blessings and to have a time of refreshment. The reality of the Sabbath, verse 28, is that Christ is Lord even of that. Let me close by giving you something you can take with you. Romans chapter 14, verse 14. I want you to find that. Romans 14, verse 14. Let me talk about three different individuals. When I was in the seventh grade, I gave my heart to Christ. A Mennonite lady led me to Christ. This Mennonite lady cooked her meal on Saturday every single Saturday. Put it in the refrigerator. Went and took it out on Sunday. But would not cook or labor. Would not even do the dishes. She just piled them in the sink. Because to her, that was honoring the Sabbath. Let me talk about another person. I have a dear, dear friend. Now I've gone on numerous mission trips with, and he and his family will not go to a restaurant and eat on Sunday. They will not buy gas on. They won't even buy a, a, a Pepsi or a Coke or anything on Sunday. They'll do no business. They'll, they'll not travel on Sunday. But yet, his wife cooks a big meal for them on Sunday. Let me talk about another person. They go out and eat every Sunday at the same restaurant. Blue Marlin. Longhorn. Pam and me. It's Russia's. Who's right? 
The answer is they all are. Look at Romans 14, verse 14. I know and am convinced in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, but to him who thinks anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Here's the answer. If it's wrong for you in the heart, if you've been convicted in your heart that it's wrong, it's wrong and it's sin. But if it's a personal preference and it's not black and white in Scripture, it may not be wrong for me. And that's the issue. And that's where we go down a dangerous road when we try to place a man-made or even a Holy Spirit-led conviction that you've got on somebody else. You wait and let the Holy Spirit do that. If the Holy Spirit brings conviction to them not to eat at rushes on Sunday, well, He hasn't done that in my life. If He does, I'll stop doing it. If the Holy Spirit has convicted your household not to cook on Sunday, well, then get out the bologna and cheese, alright? But don't place that on somebody else. Alright, let me pray out of this, alright? Father, I thank You that the Word of God is solid and true. That the Word of the living God trumps any man-made conviction. I thank You, Father, that the Holy Spirit of God leads and guides and brings conviction. And Father, we are individuals saved by grace. We're not cookie cutters. We're not stamped out of a machine. Lord, we are individuals bought for, paid for by the price, the very blood of Christ. And Lord, I pray in my heart and in my life, God, that I can stand on Your Word. And at times, Lord, it's going to be offensive and irritating. But Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would lead us and guide us daily. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you all so much.